We want to welcome all of our listeners to the third episode of Minority Report with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we will talk with real operators and leaders in digital media to learn about their lived experiences. And today, we are lucky we've got Dennis Colon from CBS Interactive. How you doing, Dennis? Doing great. How are you guys doing? Fantastic. We're excited that you're here, man. Excited to be here. Excellent. Dennis, a lot of people in the space say the best things about you. You're a respected leader. Tell us a little bit about what you're currently doing and a little bit about your professional history. Sure. So I'm currently the vice president of advertising operations and strategy at CBS Interactive. And my remit covers the whole network, which includes CNET, CBS, news, sports, entertainment, the whole gambit. And I manage the teams that are basically responsible for ad delivery and revenue. So I'm heading up the ad ops teams, client services, which for us is pre and post sales, ad product, ad tech, ad systems. I manage our data when it comes to advertising and revenue reporting. And I also help out when it comes to agency terms, T's and C's, and also all the negotiations for our vendor partners in the space. So you're doing just a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I really don't work anymore. I'm old. So. <laughs> There's obviously never enough hours. I'm curious about your background. Tell us about where you were born and raised. Sure. So I'm a New Yorker. Grew up in Alphabet City in the Lower East Side. My family has roots there since their early 20s. And we moved there by way of Puerto Rico. So we're Boricuas, we're Puerto Rican. Grew up as a New Yorker, but spending my summers in Puerto Rico just because my parents, rightfully so, wanted me to understand my culture, where I come from, to help me for where I'm going. That's really who I am. I'm a New Yorker, a New York Rican. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Remind me, how long have you been in ad tech? I started in digital media in 1999, uh-huh. which a long time, but funny that I've only worked for two companies for my whole career. All right. And how, how did you get into ad tech? It's a long time. Yes. <laughs> yes. So many moons ago, I used to sell zinc for a Mexican mining company. Out of college, wow. I had two options. I interviewed with the CIA or this option that came about. This was safer, paid more. <laughs> My whole life, I thought about what I had to do so that I never have to carry a gun. So I figured i go that route. That's basically why I went to college. So I did that for a while. They relocated. My wife was working at Condé Nast in corporate. Her peers and coworkers moved to Condé Net, which mm -hmm. was basically Steve Newhouse's hobby, which was digital media. And I took the first job that was available. So I started out answering phones, doing analytics, mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it very much a startup mentality there. So true. So and true. my history at Condé, and it kind of, even till the end, started out where someone would complain about some type of job or task. Yeah. And first gig into ad ops was, it was called ad production there. And they were like, everyone hates this job. We can't hire anyone. And I was like, give me 10 extra Gs and I'll do it. And pretty much that's exactly what I did. I just raised my hand. I was like, I'll figure it out. Yeah. I need to recoup the money I lost, you know? So. I will say like, this is one of the reasons why I'm enjoying doing this podcast. Cause 
I think I've known Dennis for 10 plus years and I did not know about the CIA story. So that's, that's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. That's great. So been in this space a long time. What keeps you in this space? What keeps you motivated? What do you love about the space? And don't say money. Well, (laughs) put money aside. What keeps me in the space is that it's one of the unique industries where you can recreate yourself. Right. You can branch out into so many different aspects of our business that it doesn't ever get boring for me. Right. We live in a world right now where every six months there's something new Mm -hmm. that either we have to focus on, address, or I wouldn't say solve because I don't think we're an industry of solving things. We're an industry of figuring out how to deal with them. And I like that about it. I like going to work and not really knowing what my day is going to be. Right. And then interacting with so many different people. In operations, in this business, folks from the ground level all the way to the top kind of deal with everyone from editorial to engineers to tech. Your remit is so large no matter what's going on. Yeah, yeah. True, true. So you've obviously worked for two giants in the space, Conde and now CBSI, you've managed probably hundreds, if not thousands of people. You've implemented ad servers, DMPs, everything, right? Like, (laughs) what are some of your top accomplishments? What do you look at and think back? So when Uh, I invented (laughs) (laughs) pre-roll. That was you? That's great. That was you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Apology not accepted. (laughs) You mean mean forced forced views. (laughs) I really don't look at it that way. I would say what I'm most proud of is when I see people who've come through my doors right. and have worked with me or for me and see them succeed somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I love to go to a meeting or like an event and see like one of my ex-traffickers who's running a shop. Right. That is what I love the most. And I think that's the biggest accomplishment that I really care about is affecting change in the industry by coaching and training the new crop of talent. Right. Well, Dennis, you know, with your experience, where do you draw your inspiration from, from a professional perspective? And also where you might draw inspiration from outside of the office. Carell and I talk a lot about where we find inspiration from and some of it's business related and some of it is not business related. And then sometimes it intersects, you know, so tell us a little bit about those two things. Yeah, no, I think those go hand in hand. There's kind of a gray line between professional and personal. So to start off, my wife inspires me. She is someone who took a step back when we had our first child to manage the home and work as well. And that is truly powerful to me. And she's one of the main reasons why I'm where I'm at today. Mm. So she's a huge inspiration. And my children, I remember holding my oldest daughter, who's now 16, going to go to college in a year, right? holding her. And the first thought after I was like, she's beautiful, is holy shit, I cannot fail. Game changer. It's a game changer. (laughs) It's like, I can't fail. I don't know what's going to happen. I'm raising two hands to take on jobs (laughs) to get money and and, and I cannot fail. And that's what I kind of set me off. As far as work, I feel like I'm inspired every day. When I have client services, like junior person come to me with an idea Mm. or drive, you know, that they just want to succeed. That inspires me when we close a big deal or weirdly when we have a huge problem, it inspires me. It's like, you know what, we're going to figure this out. It's tough because as a leader, even when you're not feeling that way, you kind of have to show it and you kind of have to push your people 
So what I've tried to do in the last six years is feed off of that. Feed off of the power of folks being eager, new, and really looking to learn and always learning. Let's talk about being a leader and leading by example, right? You and I have known each other for a number of years. We've talked a lot about (laughs) things offline and, you know, (laughs) some prejudice in the space and those sorts of things and won't name names or anything like that, right? But you've had to, all of us have had to overcome certain things because of Mm -hmm. our color and our background. You've had some prejudice towards you because of your tattoos, right? You've been in a corporate office and you've had security ask you if you needed help, right? Like how- I actually had security follow me. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) yeah. And so from a leadership perspective, like how do you handle those sorts of situations? It's always tough. And unfortunately, I grew up experiencing that my whole life. Mm -hmm. So it's a case where I would say you never get numb to it. It burns every time, but it's like you learn to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And my philosophy and how I approach it has changed over the years. Right. Early on, I wanted to argue, fight every single scenario. Mm. I will tell you, I've been in an office where I'm the only Hispanic outside of someone else and they keep mistaking us. And this is not a good thing to do, but I would call all the white people doing it the same names just to see how you show them how they feel. Mm. And I learned that, you know, you got to be bigger and you got to you approach things. So that scenario where the security guy followed me and when he asked where I work, I was like, I'm on the management team. Right. Which, you know, floor the person. And I spoke to, you know, my bosses about it. And I was like, you know what? I want to talk to him. I want to make him a friend and want him to understand how I felt about that. Right. What I've learned, you know, as I get older, and this does not justify it ever, and it should never be tolerated, is people don't really realize what they're doing. Mm. There's that unconscious bias that people have, and it causes certain reactions that they don't even realize it's offensive mm-hmm. to you. Well, some people Some people, no, no, that doesn't excuse the (laughs) the assholes and people, right? But there are people that even in their effort to try to compliment you, offend you. Right. You know, I'm sure we've been told many times, like, how did you get so smart? Right. Or how did you achieve this? It must have been impossible. (laughs) Those are things that other groups may take for granted that Mm. we have to live day by day. That's amazing. And I think you bringing that up. That's a good example why more and more companies in our space need to diversify at the top of the organization, right? The more you have diversification leading the organization, right? And it's everything from gender to color to background to age. It's everything, right? The more different opinions and different backgrounds and different experiences you have leading the organizations, I think it's just better, right, for our space overall. Yeah. You want multitudes of opinions, ideas, ideologies, cultures, like it just brings more to the mix. And that's going to take time. You know, this is an industry that's fairly young, but has an old group running it because of traditional media or other places. And as society changes, they'll run in circles that are more diverse. Right. Because essentially most people will tend to hire people that they know of that run in the same circles that have similar cultures is natural. Right. And it's one of those things where you have to train yourself not to go by that instinct. Gotcha. I always feel like I'm interviewing every day, almost. You know, even where I've gotten to, it's like I'm interviewing, I gotta be more prepared. I gotta be, Mm. you know, ready. I gotta cover everything. I don't need help. And that shouldn't be the case Mm -hmm. all the time. But Mm -hmm. unfortunately, I think that's also what helped me excel. Right. But it's also something that I didn't deserve or no one deserves. Right. And one of the things I'm very cognizant of is 
making sure the people who come after me don't have the same battles or steep mountain that I had to climb. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think that's something that we should all think about all the time. And it should be a top of mind that we're going to make sure those people coming after us have an easier time. Right. That leads right into sort of my next question. And uh, something that I know you've done for some time that I admire about you is you take it upon yourself to mentor, right? I saw you just posted on Facebook the other day. You were at like a high school graduation mm -hmm. for kids that you helped mentor. I'm, a, I'm so. a member of the Big Brother Association. Right. And my little Maurice graduated full honors Full ride to Syracuse, our other group, everyone got into their college mm. of choice, mm. all academic scholarships, mm. not financial, which is something I love about it. Right. This group of kids were so great that, frankly, Lou, who works for me, he's in the legal department, happens to be another Boricua. We both volunteer. We were both like, we may screw these kids up. They're so good. <laughs> <laughs> They're so smart. They're, they're overachievers. And... Another piece of it is we kind of changed the format because it's very structured and old school where I would go to this meeting and outside of a CFO from CBS corporate, yeah. I was the most senior person there. And when they saw me, they were like, wait, this guy has polo on, jeans, sneakers, right? And they gravitated towards that and it helped for us to, you know, kind of build a relationship. Right. But what I told them is you got to kind of play your lane and your angle wherever you're at. If I'm in corporate, I'm dressed in a suit. If I'm where I can be, I will be the way I, you know, I want to be. Right. And it's amazing. You know, we do, I do that. I've spoken at their high school. That's an accomplishment. Speaking at that high school and they're doing my profile. And then my first statement to the group is who hears from the Lower East Side? You know, who mm. hears from the PJs on 14th Street? Right. And a bunch of kids raising their hand. And I was like, me too. That just super powerful one of the most emotional things I've experienced, you know, as a professional. And then I see those kids connect with them and keep doing it. Right. It's amazing. That's where I started yeah. the mentorship. But now I would say about 60 people in this industry I've mentored that are in mid-management, that are moving up. And I don't think you could be a leader and not be a mentor. Right. Let's right. go hand in hand. And if you're not doing that, then you're doing a disservice to the industry, but also to yourself. Because those are the people that are going to essentially make you look good and, and do the job that you did so right. you could trust. So right. I, I mentor about three people at work currently and a few people out in the industry. That's amazing. Dennis, thank you for your honesty. There's a, a lot of honesty here in this discussion, a lot of truth speaking. And, you know, it's interesting when you think about what you've described and those difficult moments that you've gotten beyond, right? It's easy to be angry or it's easy to sort of ignite but what you're describing to us is it's harder, but it's actually better to have a big heart. It's great to have a bigger heart in situations that are difficult. I heard someone describe a situation where it was similar to what you described. And what they said was, you know, it's sort of like never surprising, but it's always disappointing. Yep. It always hurts. Yeah. And I think your words really mean a lot. And thank you for that raw honesty. And also, can we give shouts to Mrs. Cologne? <laughs> can we, can we, yes. right? Always. Can we give shouts Always. to this is Cologne yes. and the Cologne family for being yes. a big part of that inspiration. And also probably some of the mentors that maybe you've had in the space were able to sort of show you some of those things. So that's tremendous what you've described, being able to also help and serve others. And to be honest with you, I struggle with that because I will tell you, I felt like I didn't really have mentors in the space. Mm. 
right now, currently, my old boss at CBS, Dave Morris, mm -hmm. I view him as a mentor. And coming to my position now where I'm at, I've never had the opportunity to really have a mentor. Mm. And to have one this late in my career, it's still amazing. Yeah, Because yeah, it's absolutely. that next level, right? I respect that guy more than most people in the industry. Like, mm. love him. Throughout my career, I really didn't have mentorship because in the early days, AdOps was no one cared about it. Yeah. You know, it was a throwaway or the fact of the way I look was potentially an issue. And it's not even like they just outright disliked me. They just viewed it as something they wouldn't think of. So I don't really think I've ever had mentors. I had a ton of amazing peers in my industry and they replaced the need for a mentor coming up. Real life. Whether it's sharing information, whether it's like, how do we tackle this from every piece of the puzzle? That's where I get my inspiration and my knowledge. Yeah. Vibing with Corel, talking to Beeler, talking to other people like Ben, Barocas. We were coming up kind of together and we just talked about things. Right. And that replaced the need for a mentor for me. That's great. Yep. But again, I don't want that to be the case for people coming up. Right, right. So outside of the mentor piece, what else do you think our industry should be doing can improve to be more inclusive of people of diverse backgrounds? That's a tough one because for me, it's really easy. I will tell you, I should be proud of it, but I'm not because I don't think of it that way. But mm. I've run the most diverse groups in the companies I've ever worked, mm. I've worked for mm -hmm. because I cast a wide net. I'm open to hiring people. And... Folks will throw out, you know, we want the best person for the job, insinuating that everyone else isn't. But if you have an open mind, you will see that your makeup will consist of women, minorities, Caucasian people. It doesn't everyone. matter. Like right. you, you will eventually build a diverse, diverse group when you look everywhere. Right. You know, right. you don't just focus on one area. You don't just take referrals from people who kind of just hang in the same circles. Like you cast a wide net. Right. Like I've never had issues with running diverse groups because I was super accepting of people. Right. Regardless of where they come from, how they look. And also I look in places where people didn't generally look. Mm. I forced HR to look at CUNY. All different schools for different reasons. Why I wanted people to look at CUNY, and that's, you know, the New York schools, colleges and stuff is because I found those people to be super mature. Right. Because a lot of them work full time jobs. One of the problems with our industry sometimes is we task very young junior people that are immature, not for their fault, for very important stakes and business. Right. And that's tough. So I wanted mature people. Gotcha. So that was a reason. You know, I always look for different angles. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. A little fun fact time for you. So for those of you who don't know Dennis, he carries two phones, personal phone and his work <laughs> phone. He's always done that. So... <laughs> Give me three apps on your phone that you use every day outside of email and your calendar. Sure. So social media like Instagram and um, Facebook, I'll include those as one. Yeah. You know, I got to post my sneaker <laughs> shots. <laughs> outside of that. If you ever uh, want to know what the latest and greatest is in, this, in the sneaker yes. space, come to Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> outside of that, one of the apps I'm using, and it's because of my wife, because I have to, is Evernote, which I've found <laughs> to be amazing. Yeah. You know? <laughs> You guys can't see me out there, but I'm shaking my head. Yes. Now I cannot say I lost the you know information. So it's kind of a double-edged sword. I'm informed, but I could get in trouble. And sneaker-wise, I use Goat. 
You know, I really like them <laughs> to kind of evaluate my sneakers or just grab stuff. I can't find it through one of my guys. So those are the main ones. Outside of that, I have 8,000 apps that my daughter's downloaded <laughs> that I have no idea what they are. <laughs> real life, real life. Yeah, real life. All right. So for people out there that want to get in touch with you about business or mentorship or just want to follow Dennis Cologne in the social space, where can they find you? LinkedIn. You can find me Twitter. It's dcolone612. Instagram is dcolone135. Awesome. Awesome. Dude, thanks for joining us. Finally happy to get you on. <laughs> Had to kind of sell this to you for a little bit, but <laughs> Dennis was teasing me about coming on. So, but uh, <laughs> gave me a little hard time, but I'm glad we got you on. <laughs> so glad you're with us. No, it was a pleasure, man. Yeah. Um, I love what you guys are doing, man, and keep on. Awesome. And for those of you out there listening, if you're on iTunes, you can find us, Minority Report Podcast. Leave a rating, leave a comment. We're on SoundCloud as well, Minority Report Podcast. Can follow us on Twitter at Minority RPRT Pod. Same on Facebook and on Instagram, Minority Report Podcast. Thank you for listening and talk to you guys at the next episode. Peace. Peace.